Here we are again uh, with another Forever Blue podcast. Thanks very much to everybody who's made comments, who's downloaded the podcast, who's watched uh, the video version of it because we've been putting snippets on Forever Blue's YouTube channel. So thanks very much to all those people who've said kind words, even those... And there are very, very few of them, and most of them will be rival fans, I suspect, who uh, not liked it as much. But thank you for, for doing that. Thanks for subscribing. If you subscribe, which is free, you get the podcast into your inbox every single week. And you can, of course, then give us a rating, five stars ideally, uh, and you can click on the bell button and everything so you get notifications of what we do. And there is an extra podcast, which I'm going to be recording this week with Glyn Pardo, uh, former Manchester City player, an absolute legend as a player, as a coach, and the grandfather of Tommy Doyle, who's playing in the FA Youth Cup final uh, in a, in another ten days or so, um, and also obviously along with Mike Doyle, the two the two male grandparents of Tommy Doyle. So look out for that. That'll probably be Friday when that goes live. Um, I also want to say that we have the. The proprietor, shall we call him that, of uh, Hot Click Marketing with us today, who sponsor the podcast or are doing for the rest of this season. So very grateful to that. And Tony will be joining us later on in the podcast. Um, right, let's get to business. Let me quickly uh, bring the cast to your attention. We have normally, Will is the, uh, the, the brains, the skill behind the videoing. <laughs> we don't normally we'll see him, uh, but, but tonight we're hearing him in full. So um, who yeah, are you, Will? Uh, um, my name is Will, as Ian just said, last minute replacement. Um, not really prepared, but I suppose it's sitting. You don't need to don't prepare. Need to, Never all, all comes from the heart. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited. Glad to see you. Looking forward to see what we're going to talk about tonight. You are? Uh, I'm Harlan. I'm sure everyone knows me. Um, you know, whether you like me or not, I'm sure you know who I am. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm um, green jacket, purple hat on a match day. Um, absolutely love the club, love coming down here. I think this is my 12th or 13th cap this week, uh, some, somewhere along the lines of that anyway. But um, yeah, can't wait to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. Ian's actually told us what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm sure he'll throw up a few surprises for us. It's a great right. big secret. <laughs> I'm Paul from Prestige Car Repairs. Um, I'm actually picking up a Cockney accent. I've been in London that much this last couple of weeks. So uh, oh, I'm looking forward to, yeah, oh, it's sad. Uh, looking forward to tonight's podcast as always. I want to thank, obviously, all the people who contribute to the podcast. Uh, Louisa, Emily, Adam, Matty. The people who've been the regulars along with these guys on the podcast. Um, because... It means the world to me that they want to be involved and a part of this. And it's very fast growing, I have to say, though I'm blowing my own trumpet here a bit, uh, podcast, because the numbers are going up, uh, subscriptions are going up, and we're very, very grateful to your support for that happening. And not to forget that the podcast is one of two nominations that Forever Blue has had in the footballbloggingawards.co.uk to give it its full website address. Um, and the votes for that conclude, I think, on the 21st, of April, so as we record this on the fifteenth, you still have six days to go and vote. So any support you can give the Forever Blue podcast and indeed the vlog are very much appreciated. Now there's lots of things we can talk about tonight, uh, and we will. So let's start <coughs> with the Tottenham game, um, uh, and, and the Crystal Palace game, of course, because we haven't talked since the first leg of that. Um, what did you guys make of the first leg? Because it struck me that Pep took a slightly different approach in that game. Obviously, the, the Liverpool game, he took a little bit of a similar approach at Anfield earlier this season, but it's not normally Pep's way. Normally, it's about attacking, getting goals, taking certain risks, maybe. 
And I've heard it said, for example, that Pep's um, bad experiences at Monaco and the first leg against Liverpool last season, and indeed historically at Bayern when he suffered heavy defeats mm-hmm. in the Champions League, affected his way of thinking. So he did it differently. Do you agree with that or should he have gone his other way? I think if I had my blue tinted specs on, you're saying, you know, game management, he'd probably happy with a 1 0, really. Um, that's why he didn't bring Kevin Leroy on until the 8th or 9th minute. He was, he was happy, I think. I think we could easily beat Tottenham by more than yeah, two goals at home, but it, I do worry about that away goal, obviously. On the flip side, however, I've got to say I was a bit disappointed. I think. So I saw it on Twitter and um, I can't remember who it was now, but they just said it was it it wasn't brave at all. And I, I think somebody called him a coward. Yes. Um, yeah, brutal. That didn't really didn't really <clears> like that <throat> comment whatsoever. I don't understand how you can call somebody that that managed and pioneered a hundred and six goal season, hundred point season, broke every record that you can even think of in the book. A coward after one game away at Spurs. I to be fair, really he did. The, ne- the next day, the guy yeah, did sort well, of apologise and say his emotions. So you know, was this just an individual, or is this somebody high profile talking about? Um, no, just an individual. Well, no, who, no cares? who cares? Who cares? Yeah, who cares yeah, then? Twitter, don't don't yeah. give him too much uh, too yeah, much yeah. credit. I think. Uh, being in the ground, and I know you were there as well, yeah, Paul, yeah. Um, there was a feeling among the people around me that they were a bit disappointed. And the only thing I can relate it back to in the non-Pep era was when City were in the Champions League semi-final against Real Madrid. And there yeah. was a very similar feeling of, did, why did they not have a goal today? <clears throat> um, you know, I... you can go out, but don't... And I know it wasn't the deciding leg, but you can go out as long as you're brave and you've had a go, but you don't want to come away feeling as if it was a bit of a tepid performance. I, I, we always talk about it's your favourite catchphrase, game management. Game management. And I think, <clears throat> I think Pep basically went to either draw or snatch a win. I think he kind of did what teams come to us to do. Um, of all them games we could have played in the next you know, hectic schedule... That was the one game that we could afford to lose by a small margin, in my opinion. True. Um, you know, if we if we lose if we lose to Tottenham in the league, or if we lose to Pre- Crystal Palace in the league, pretty much the league is kind of done and dusted, I would say. Then if we lose a game, but we could lose to Tottenham in that one game because we can always bring it back home and, and beat them. It was nearly a perfect plan, wasn't it? Because we got a penalty, and <laughs> Serge missed it. To be honest, if that, if that it was goes a shocking in, Paul, penalty. If that goes in, do you think we, we push on and score more yeah, in that game? Because that's, that's how we I work, do, because they'd have, had, they'd, have, they'd have come out, because they're at home and with a new fancy stadium. I think they'd have come out, and I think if that goal had gone in, it would be a completely different game. Completely different. But then this goes back to what I said before the game, Nate. This is, this is what I mean. I'm not criticising the fan base as a whole, because I absolutely love our fans. I think we're unbelievable as a whole. However, it, games are won by fine margins. So if that penalty goes in... And we win the game 2 or 3 0. The team selection was fantastic because we won 3 0. If it doesn't go in and we lose 1 0, the team selection was terrible and Pep's a coward. And so that one penalty then that could have got us onto 2 and 3 and, and a win at Spurs, not going in means that he got everything wrong and we weren't good enough and everything else. Had it have gone in and we'd have won the game, would people still have been as critical? Because them things would have still happened. That's the only f- difference would have been that we'd have won. <clears throat> That's football, though, isn't it? I think Man United, you know I mean? Alex Ferguson nearly lost his uh, his job. If he hadn't won the FA Cup, 
I think it was a, was it a goal away from is it Paul uh, Oxford Robbins? away yeah. and all that yeah, well, yeah I, so, I wish I didn't know that fact no I know but I wish I had brought it up <laughs> but that same fine margins that you, you can make or break your season Aguero 93-20 yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, and that is why we love football that's what I mean that's, it can go one way or the other then issues still would have been there that fans had during the game anyway regardless of whether we won or lost the game if they didn't like the fact that Mahrez had started he'd have still started if we'd have lost or won the game mm-hmm. You know, if they didn't like the way that Pep had set up the team, he'd have still set up the same team with the same system and the same formation, regardless of if we won or lost the game. So my issue with the fan base is that sometimes it doesn't matter if we win or lose, people just want to whinge about something. Yeah, no, you're right. I agree with that. People what? want to whinge. Well, that, that's the, the first leg. It's over with now. City lost the, the tie 1-0. We'll come back to talking about the second leg in terms of the match in a moment. But one subject I wanted to bring up was, first of all, the ground. You guys and, and Tech it just saw it on TV. Yeah. Paul, I know, was there, <clears throat> and obviously I was there. Um, so you can talk about the experience of that ground. But there was also a question which uh, John, who you travelled with, yeah, yeah. brought up, and I know you brought up, about whether there was artificial... Uh, using of speakers, etc., to create an improved atmosphere in that game. Yeah. Now, I was there, so I just want to say straight away, I didn't sense that. Um, I'd, I'd be happily proven wrong if somebody has evidence that that was the case, but you were convinced. I, 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 it was strange, because when you walked into the ground, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed by the ground and I'm not saying it's out of bitterness or anything are you saying that about the outside or everything, the inside everything the, right. everything the outside when you looked at it it looked like um, a, a UFO had landed in the middle of London basically that was it so you walk in and this is the difference between what Tottenham have done and what City have done you walk in walking into the actual ground it was like walking through so like I've been watching uh, The Living Dead on Netflix and it was like that <laughs> Because there was empty rubbish bins, there was rubbish and waste all over the place. This great big fancy new stadium had been built and the, the council hadn't even been bothered to empty the bins. It was disgusting. So you're walking through, these people hanging around and just like, you know, street corners. And Anyway, so we got into the ground just about because we ended up going through Sainsbury's car park because the directions, the signage was rubbish. We got in having been body searched through metal scanners, like at the airport, you know. God knows they're going to go on on match days. Well, that was a match day. No, but I mean, <laughs> no, I mean you know, when it's not, rest- you know, when you've got a bigger, uh, away, more more away fans and stuff. Um, FA Cup tyres. And everybody's been drinking yeah. as well, because obviously it was, a, you know, it's the, the time of the day and everything midweek, so everyone would be drinking, so it's mm-hmm. going to be a nightmare. Anyway, so we get in the ground and the... Um, Toilets were flooded. Yeah. There was, you know, a couple I of inches. saying on the vlog, actually. Yeah, 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 the toilets were all flooded. Um, so then we get into the stadium, and, the, and, and the, the noise in the stadium from the tannoy was amazing. It was like being in a concert. You know, that echo you get about all over the place, and the bass and everything. It was fantastic, the sound. But then the game started, and, I'm, and I'm, it was very American to me, it was the way they did it and the way the lights were and the, the introduction and stuff. We got into the ground, got into there, and it, I'm watching, and you could hear this like booming, um, you know, songs. Their their songs they sing. I'm looking around the stadium, and I'm thinking, "There's no way that they're no making cla- that noise." There's clapping. I can hear clapping. Yeah. You know, I can hear things, but I can't see anybody. You know, when is a when to make that much noise is a lot of clapping. 
there was I couldn't see anybody clapping. I looked round all round the stadium. I couldn't see anybody clapping. And all of a sudden, you could see the fans starting to clap and come into it. So it was always like cheer led. But there's yeah, no yeah. way. There's no way. <laughs> I'd like to be proved different. But there's a lot of people been saying on social media that it was pumped through the speakers. Right, it was which, booming. Which brings a couple of subjects up then. Yeah. First of all, before we talk about that specifically, you know, I just had one other experience. I found it weird. First of all, it was a cashless stadium. Yeah. Um, uh, which, obviously, if you've only got cash on you, is a bit of a problem. Um, I bought a programme. We've talked about programmes on the podcast before. And I've sort of basically stopped buying programmes now. But because it was Tottenham's first one, game yeah. in their stadium, I thought, I'm going to buy one. Five quid, by the way. So I had to queue at the food and drink stand where people were queuing up for beer and pies, etc. to buy me programmes. They didn't have separate places for yeah. the programme. So I, I stood there for 25 minutes and all I wanted to do was buy a programme. So there's people around me buying two pies and two drinks and everything. And then when I got to the front of the queue, a programme, please. And the woman went, what? I said, a programme, programme. Uh, completely didn't understand what I was saying. I had to point to one. So one of them, you know, like that. I can see one on the counter. Oh, right, right. A programme. Right, OK, no problem. Brown sauce on five, <laughs> five pound. And then obviously zap me card and everything. And then I walk away and I thought, really? Europe's best stadium. And this is what you do. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't agree with that. Anyway, let's come back to the atmosphere stuff. Yeah. Because I've also been... Uh, canvassed, shall we say, by some City fans saying, you must on the podcast tonight urge City fans to go along to the next couple of games at the Etihad and make a load of noise and create an atmosphere. Now, you've mentioned, Paul, in in, in our build-up to this question, the fact that you question whether that was natural. And one of the subjects we've talked about before on this podcast, when it comes to creating atmosphere, is this... And I think it's fair to say this, this inherent English trait that we don't want anything to be in any way artificial. No drums. Uh, yeah. Well, nothing, nothing at all. So obviously you go to away European games, as Paul and I have done a lot recently, and you see in Germany uh, people on a megaphone uh, basically orchestrating the mm. crowd noise. English people seem to have a big, big problem with that. And you're nodding along, Will, so you can say your bit in a minute. Um, I don't have a problem with it, but then I'm not a singer and it's certainly not a problem for me. Um, I stand there at Crystal Palace at the weekend in the city section and there's three lads in front of me, three great lads, who are basically, uh, not with a megaphone, but orchestrating some of the singing. And, And maybe not even deliberately, but the three of them kept starting songs and sometimes they caught on and everybody started to sing. Nobody seems to have a problem with that, even though that's an artificial, orchestrated way of doing it. Because they, if one of them had had a megaphone, Precisely. does that then become yes. orchestrated? Yes. Why? Come on, Will, tell me. Because Convince it, me. It's almost official, isn't it? When you see the, the club official drummers or the club official... But they, they weren't club officials. What are our guys? So those three, yeah, what if yeah, one of them had had a megaphone? All right, but they, they wouldn't have been allowed. They wouldn't have been All right, all right. But, but let's just hypothetically, let's say they were allowed in, that the, the club said, no problem to orchestrate your singing. If that's what you want to do. Th- you can bring... So I know it's hypothetical. So they brought one in. I think, as, as supposedly, yeah, it would improve the atmosphere in a way, but it just doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel right. You, Why you, the obsession with organic? 
Because I think the best thing about City is we sing songs that are applicable to the moment. We sing songs about what's going on on the pitch. We sing songs the about... Orc- and I'm playing devil's advocate yeah. in this argument. I'm going to do it all the way through. So if anybody listening is, is, is irritated by this, <laughs> I, I want to hear the other side of the argument. So and, and it's just as legitimate as one or the other. I'm not playing sides. But the fact that with the megaphone you start a song off, it can still be a song in the moment that's relevant to that moment. Um, So there's no reason why that should change. And I'm not just talking about megaphones, but just talking about orchestration. Why? Come on, tell me why. Because it just feels club endorsed. It feels like, it's almost like admitting you can't create an atmosphere. So here you go, here's some tools to get one going. So City fans telling me I've got to tell everybody who's listening tonight to go along to the ground on Wednesday and on Saturday when Tottenham come, am I not orchestrating it? No. And why do we need to orchestrate it, by the way, if this natural stuff works anyway, which you all want to keep with? Well, it doesn't. I think when it all started was when it all went, when when you had to go all seating. I think... Apart from your Valdunicans and a, a few other Peters and Lee, they, they're the only ones I know that sit down when they're singing. <laughs> if you're going to sing, you've got to stand up. You know, Pavarotti, all the greats do it, even I do it on karaoke. I never sit down, I always stand up. Yeah. So if you're sat down at a football match, you don't really want to sing. The only time, the only time, I'll tell you this, is the only time I don't sing is when I go to Wembley because I'm sat down. When I'm at home... I'm stood up, I'm in the uh, Block 111, so we're all stood up. When I go to away matches, we're stood up. We're really noisy away, we're really noisy when we're all stood up. When you sit down, you don't sing. I don't care who you are, what you are, you cannot sing. When you do start to sing, and you stand up to sing, all the uh, all the prawn cocktail sandwich eaters behind you are going, oh, sit down, I can't see, I've paid good money to watch this. I had to move seats at Wembley. I, we were in a block that was sat down, a couple of seats across, they were stood up, so I said, right, I'm going to go stand over there. And, and all are very interesting, but we're going away from the Sorry. point that I was asking <laughs> you about. Can, right? can, I, can I jump here, Ian, with something? Go on, Cause, cause, go on, Harlan, bring it back on track. This, right, so, for example, I, I guttingly never went to Main Road. Right, I never went, so I can't. I can't speak from experience. However, I watch games on TV. I remember seeing it on TV, and I remember hearing an atmosphere inside Main Road. I never went, so I can't compare the atmosphere at Main Road to the atmosphere at the Etihad or the City of Manchester Stadium without sponsorship. However, um, <laughs> however, um, I don't understand where the atmosphere has gone from Main Road. Now I understand the stadium's bigger. It's a new. New kind of stadium. It's not one of the old stadiums. It's not like Main Road. It's not like Boundary Park. Some of the other stadiums in the northwest and all over, all over the country. However, you know, it. I, I don't understand where the atmosphere has gone from Main Road to the city of Manchester Stadium. You haven't brought us back. Very interesting again, Hal. You've not I, brought I, us back on track. I, I just right? want to know why there isn't all these All yeah. these bits of things we will talk about again, but at the moment, I want to know. So, so I'm saying, <clears> on behalf of the fans who've contacted me, to say, urge everybody to go along and make an atmosphere on Wednesday night. So I'm being far more specific. So I'll say it. Come along on Wednesday night and create an atmosphere. It like, might just make a difference to like get Hamburg. City over the line. Remember the Hamburg yeah, game? against Hamburg. However, however, so I'm saying, how do you, apart from me saying, come along and make an atmosphere, how do you make that happen? The right. club have got to get involved. 
Now, well, the club have got to give flags out. They've got they've got to spend a bit of money and give the fans something to get excited about. You can't make people sing. I, you know, I, you I, can't. I, but 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 put songs on the no no, things no, then. no no not 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 like Listen, that. It's simple. Just, it's just simple, get, right? You you get to the game, right? And then you, you you can hear a section of the crowd singing, "Stand up if you love City." Stand up for the champions. The simplest thing to do is get up off your backside, stand up. And sing that song. You're joining in then. And when we sing Blue Moon, get up and sing Blue Moon. But but if, you hear a song, if you hear a song going, join in with it. Right. Stand up. And Nobody's join arguing in with, with that. Yeah. I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I'll declare. I'm stood in the in the Crystal Palace away section. Yeah. And apart from maybe a couple of times quietly, I didn't join in with a single song. Yeah, but I've heard your voice. I've heard your voice. You really. Thank God that you didn't. But that's that's just me. I prefer to just study the game, and I'm a quiet person at a game, right? And there are lots of other people I suspect like me. I mean, frankly, and you might not like me for saying this, I'd rather have sat down at Crystal Palace and I had to stand up all the way through the game. And because I record the vlog interviewing people beforehand, and I don't want to sound like an old man or or I can't cope or anything, but I spent probably three hours before the kickoff walking on my feet. And then I got into the game and actually wanted to sit down at that point. So I ended up on my feet for five hours. Um, And, you know, and, and the bloke in front of me, just like on the old terracing, was like six foot eight or something. So I was having to look round him all the time. Whereas if been sat down, I'd have actually had a better view. So that's my. So I can't now on this podcast or with other city fans say you should be singing more the thing because is, I man, don't sing. I saw so you saying, "Oh yeah, do this," and they'll join in. They don't join in though. Well, they should. No. If they want to create an atmosphere, then they should join the in. Is, if you, if uh, they don't want to join in. Then if you're we're, gonna have a, we're gonna have a rubbish atmosphere. But if it was simple. artificial, if there was artificial, some bloke with a, a tannoy. Yeah, but they still won't join in. Would they not? No. Why, if why, if why would why would they join in because a bloke with a tannoy? The only ones who sing that they right. I, my missus watched the game with me on the, the Crystal Palace game, right? And begrudgingly, she sat down and watched it. Within twenty minutes of watching it, I, I watched it on Sky. My missus turned around and said, "I can't watch this." She went, "Why?" What's up? She went, that bloody racket. The, the, all you could hear on the telly was the drum banging, boom, boom, and it was going off. It said, I can't listen to that. She said, is it like that every game? I said, well, he's in Germany and France when we go there, because they have it all. So oh, she said, I can't be doing with that. In the second half, they turned the volume down, and you could hear City singing then, but it's just, it, the, to have the drums and all the rest of it, I kind of like it. I got these some of these away games, and what I do like about it is not the... There's no ebb and flow to the German game with the fans. When when it when it gets exciting in the English game, the the, the atmosphere rises it goes up and down, yeah? Yeah, and then it gets quiet. Yeah. In a German game, it's just constant banging, singing, all the rest of it. If we could get somewhere between the two of them, yeah. Whereas in you know when it gets quiet, perhaps in the game, then the drums get going, and then we sing to each other, stay, see for each example, other stand, then that'd be great. For example, when we get a corner. Give it the old yeah, bang yeah, on a drum. Yeah, yeah. Get get it, you know, come on. I can get, get the that. old thing going. But just as soon to as the game, you know, the, the ball's in the middle of the park and you you're studying the football or whatever, yeah, yeah. then then it's a bit quieter. Yeah, soon as just... soon as we get into the final third, come on then boys, yeah, push yeah. them into yeah, the absolutely push the ball into Some, the back of the net. It's, it's somewhere in between it. 
The thing is, the people that are on social media that are criticising the fact that there is an atmosphere are the people that are in the ground that could contribute to making an atmosphere and don't. Yeah. But then complain when we don't have an atmosphere. Yeah. It's, it's like it, the, it, they it's, don't understand that so they're not giving anything. It's up saying, you know, this game we need to make a big effort and, you know, because it's a big game we need... Why can't we just do that every game? Exactly. Why can't we play play against relegation? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, another thing. I think, I think, whether you like it or not, alcohol plays a big, big, big impact into what goes on. You have a midweek game where people come straight from work and not having a drink. They've got to drive home. The atmosphere tends to be pretty subdued. Sunday games, depending on the time of the kickoff, you know, if it's a late on, people have got work the next day. If you're on a Saturday, <coughs> three o'clock kickoff. Everyone can have a drink. Everyone's like nowhere to go on a Sunday. They can have a light in. Everyone has a drink. The atmosphere is better. The thing is, look at the Liverpool start game. Start beer, a lot of it. The Liverpool game for a start, right? So there was an amazing atmosphere that night. You talk about Hamburg. I unfortunately didn't go to the Hamburg game. I watched it on TV. However, when Ian said to us, what's the best atmosphere that you've ever been at, which was right at the start of doing this, this podcast, and we all give our views on which was the best, and I said either 93-20 or, or the Liverpool game, and we, some people were disagreeing. I I don't understand like why like you just said why we why we're only picking three or four out yeah it's, oh Norwich last season yeah but it's oh. when it's when some the you game know, means something yeah of course the, the ones we're picking feel out like the after. ones we're picking yeah. out is when we're needed when so, the main game so, needs something so given the question so the fans that I was asking up then, aren't they, in terms it, of having to create one because they're lucky and because they're fortunate we're doing so well again we can talk about all the wider reasons we've talked for example about whether there's an influence of City Square keeping people out of the stadium mm. whether happy clapping those plastic things that Leicester have and, no. and other teams could play part those are all broad brushstrokes Coming back to these specific games now against Tottenham and Tottenham, obviously away game. The away game against United will take care of itself because those are the hardcore singing fans at Old Trafford. So that's not going to be an issue. Uh, Maybe you could argue the Leicester home game is another one that that could be another defining home game. Are you saying, and it sounds like you are, that on Wednesday? And even though it's a twelve thirty kickoff against Tottenham, that because of the nature and size of these games, that they will be like Hamburg yeah. and will be like ninety three twenty, and will just happen as you all want. It seems naturally without any artificial. Yeah. In- Is that yeah. what you say? Yeah. That yeah. definitely will happen because of the occasion. Like Real Madrid semi final a couple of years, but that was good. Yeah. Start of the game. Uh, where at PSG was alright as well that was a good atmosphere yeah. I mean I've got a box full of flags and all sorts that have been given by the club for them specific occasions a bit of confetti and that but they don't do it enough for me you know during the season just do it every every month and but maybe that's an one artificial game. thing I just think it, I just think it gives the fans a memento of the occasion <coughs> not only that it, it allows it allows you to enjoy it a bit more as well and, and get, get into the spirit of the game I mean if you're turning up to the game and you're feeling a bit oh I've got to play Norwich today and you get a flag and, and everyone else has got one and it, and it builds the atmosphere a bit, you're going to feel a bit more positive and get behind the team a bit more, surely. I mean, it is, is one. Would, would a specific singing section we've in the ground got, make a big difference? There are, there are no, two but singing they, sections, no, they have a, either side of the away fans. They're already there. Yeah, but... The, I, and, and the 9320 group, who I'm a big fan of and, and retweet what they do and their organisation... 
you know, they, they try to get singing sections at Wembley, they, 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 they organise displays and all sorts of stuff at home games, and they are very, the people who organise that are very, very passionate, and they, no doubt, at some point in the future, will sit in on one of these podcasts and talk about it, as they have done before, when I've done radio shows on this. So we get that there are, is a core of these supporters, it's, but that in itself is not enough, isn't it? You know, when you look at, and I'm sorry to bring them up again, but Schalke, my, the, the team I know most about in Germany, they have 11,000 ultras behind the goal. City don't have 11,000 ultras. They might have, so how many is in your section and, and in that area? Couple Three, of four, couple of thousand. Yeah, Same yeah. the other, perhaps a bit bigger. The, other, more side. On the other side, yeah. You know, you, but, you're, on, you're on the corner. Yeah, block one eleven. So, right. so yeah, maybe yeah. we're talking four, five thousand in those lower sections. Less than half of the numbers, just just in the standing section uh, at Schalke, for example. And isn't it all about numbers? If there were more numbers who were of your mindset, Absolutely. then this thing would take care of itself. The thing, and the f- and but then we're coming to maybe if we can get a cheap ticket. If the tickets are cheaper, you might get normal singing, working class people in there that will give it a go, rather than people who think they're going to the theatre. Where's 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 Liverpool's family stand? Do they have a family stand? I don't know. That's do, another do, big do, question do, you're bringing do, up. Do 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 just do they have a family stand at Stamford Bridge? Do they have a family stand at Spurs now? Has that been? Because what I'm thinking is the only reason why we can't have a singing section in that corner where the family stand is. There's nothing up the other end. That corner, there's absolutely nothing. It, it all comes from the south stand mm. and from that south stand east stand corner. So I think if we had a singing section in that corner, that corner, that corner, that corner, going back to what Paul said worked years ago and at, mm. at Main Road as well, where fans could banter each other. In different parts of the stadium, you know, South Stand slash East Stand Corner could banter with, you know, Colin Bell slash Family Stand Corner, shout yeah, across. Got... You'd build the atmosphere and <clears> it would circulate. The atmosphere the doesn't build. The atmosphere doesn't build because they've got City Square outside. So you know, people. So private, now we're the, going down this route of, of talking about all the other things. So yeah, we need to have a singing so section. I'm, Can we not have four singing sections in four different corners I of the disagree. stadium? I disagree. I think we need one, one big block. As much as I love the passion that you you, you bring into this part of the conversation, I'm going to move it on, and we'll do this subject again because <laughs> there are so many different aspects to this subject. So. The message from me, and I'm sure from you yeah. three, is get along on Wednesday, even though I won't be doing it, <laughs> hypocrite, <laughs> but, but sing your hearts out, get behind the team and to, to try and make a, di- a difference. And if there's 55,000 there on Wednesday and, and 20,000 are not like me, but are more like you, that will make a huge difference. And so Without, let me just ask you... You don't want to sound like Delia Smith here, though, do you? Let's be having you. you. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> but... but let me ask you this one supplemental question without going back into the, the sort of detail. Yeah. If the crowd does create an atmosphere on Wednesday, if the crowd does create an atmosphere on Saturday against Tottenham, do you think it makes a difference yes. to the modern footballers? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah. I think it makes a big difference to them still. Because we all know that when, when, we're not, when we're not performing well in anything we do in life at times, whether it be at work or anything else... If somebody comes up to you and gives you a bit of motivation or gives you, you know, a bit of a pat on the back and says, "Don't worry, you're having lift a tough you. day. Keep going." Lift it you. does lift you. Yeah. So do that on a bigger scale. Yeah. And and surely it does. You know, if if Maris is having a bad game or Gundogan might be having a a bad game, you know, in it, for instance, just that Ilkay Gundogan or Bernardo Silva, Bernardo, it, it's going to give him that. I'm having a bad one, but the fans still still behind still, me. Still behind me. Do you know what I mean? And it might don't be matter a difference what you between. Say, it, I always say this. It don't matter. 
what I think about a particular player on the pitch. If they're having a bad game, I'll still get behind them. I'll, I might have a go at him in the pub afterwards, but I don't do it in front on the stage. Because while because, they're playing in that game, yeah, you yeah, need yeah. them to perform yeah, absolutely. well. Absolutely. We have but to have you've them got, performing If well. you've got like 20,000 people sighing every time Mahrez puts the pass astray, 20,000 people makes the right racket. It's, you know, everybody is that, that and he gets on your back and the human beings at the end of the day. Well, as well as talking about the football, which is to come, which we're going to talk about in a minute, I'm also going to talk a little bit about, or ask you anyway, to talk about TV pundits and TV commentators oh, in a minute. How, how so there's, we got? there's another one you can get your teeth stuck into. So, so for now, we're actually going to make a substitution. So Will is going to move out of um, out of the team. Oh, we're taking him Will's, off. Will's pulled a fetlock. Up, up goes the board. Yeah, <laughs> pulled hamstring, and out he goes. Substitution. Uh, and in comes Tony now, who is uh, from. Uh, well, he's going to explain himself, but he's our sponsor uh, for, for this season, for the second part of the season. Thank you, Tony comes on the pitch. Thank you very much, it's Tony. To you. Marketing. Welcome to the podcast. I know that you've been sat behind the camera because we've been filming the first half, which some of which, of course, you'll see on the, on YouTube. But so go and find that. Although if you're listening to this, you don't perhaps need to. Uh, but Tony has been chomping at the bit. <laughs> so just before you you give us a contribution in terms of what we've been talking about, just thank you first of all for being involved in the podcast and supporting us. Um, just explain your company and what it does. Um, we're a marketing agency uh, based near the airport in Manchester. So what we do is essentially, if you've got a business, no matter what it is, whether it's from repairing cars to selling stuff online, um, we will get you and look after your online marketing, your website. So whether you're talking Google search, so when somebody does a search and you want your business to come up for car garages near me, let's say, or whether you've got a product to sell and you want your product to come up if you're selling tables and chairs, let's say, then that, you know, if somebody's searching for a new dining room table, we'll get that pushed up to uh, the top of Google to try and get you there and manage your campaign. We also do the social media side of it as well. So if Facebook ads, Twitter ads and that side of it um, and manage websites. As, and we range, we're only a small business, you know, there's five of us in the business, but we've got such a range of clients from somebody spending £200 a month on their budgets uh, for AdWords for Google um, to somebody spending £20,000 a month. Um, we're kind of our top biggest clients in that sense so we've got a range so whatever you need in that sense we'll always see if we can help you and if we can great if we can't we'll generally try and point you in the right direction obviously I'm hoping that as a result of you supporting us people are clicking on at hot underscore click and following you on Twitter looking at the website um, and, and maybe giving you a call what's the number? Um, 0161 um, and yeah, like I say, do give us a call. You're not going to get a salesperson on the end of the phone. You are just going to get me or one of the guys and we'll just have a chat. You know, we're not afraid to say, no, we can't help you if we can't help you. Um, we won't just take your business because we don't do contracts. Um, this is a slight sales pitch coming now, but we don't do contracts. So we've got to value your business to us for it to work for you. And that's where you know, our tagline comes from of our success depends on yours because we don't do a contract. It's got to work for you for you to continue to pay me. And that's essentially what the business was founded on was how can it be help the customer, the business, rather than what makes us the most money. And luckily, you know, six years later, nearly now, um, you know, we've all granite grown through word of mouth and um, it seems to be working and people like that honest approach. So, yeah, feel free. Give us a chat. 
Give us a call, have a chat, and uh, let us know. And as you can hear, Tony's a blue because he's now going to talk about perhaps the things. What, what's your? Because t- you were chomping at the bit. You I were right. No. What do you think of the fan situation then? Well, the difficulty I find with what we've just discussed is going back to this singing section idea. And yes, you've got the um, you've got the section next to the away fans in both sides. But the problem with that is it is fragmented. It's not like the Kipax where we had one whole section and you know you had the banter like going between the stands. And the <clears throat> it's not like that, and that's the problem. So by the time it does creep around and get round to maybe the family stand, it's already dying down. You're on to the next song in that section. But also, if there is a specific sing- singing section and I'm looking to go to the game as a one-off, you know, maybe I have a season card, but I want to go see the game, and I'm inclined to sing, I'm going to go, well, I want to go there. If I'm then putting the third tier in the Colin Bell stand and nobody's singing around me, am I going to get up and sing? No, because there's not a singing. And this is why I think that's why I think there should be a specific singing section, and not just for season card holders, but for those that you know get to the occasional games. Um, So yeah, that's where I was getting with the singing section, rather than saying you know we've got one now, let's have a section that somebody who wants to buy a one-off ticket can go to, like a neutral zone. Well, not necessarily, yeah, not necessarily well, useful, you, that, There well, you yeah. can get tickets on the day, can't yeah. you? In a lot of these European clubs have. Well, I mean, that brings in another subject, which I'm not going to go into any depth about, but I've heard people saying to me, fans, that they've wanted to come along to games individually, people from abroad, people yeah. from other parts of this country, and they've found it very difficult to buy a ticket because they haven't got a season card, they haven't got a membership number, or in the case of people who've come from other countries, they haven't even got an English postcode and they've been denied, believe it or not, the opportunity to buy a ticket. And what you the subject you introduced, Tony, was that if they wanted to come along to sing and they're put in the wrong part of the ground, which is probably where the casual spectator's spaces are, then they never fully sort of buy into the atmosphere of the singing. They will feel a lot more removed. I mean, if you're up at the at the back of the top tier of the Colin Bell stand, where there's always a few gaps, and that's probably the most likely place you'd be. And whilst it, it's a great experience, and I've sat up there in a great view, you don't feel as engaged with the no, game as you do in other sections. Can I just come up with a quick point? Go in, on. Uh, European games, they don't let you into the ultra section if you're not an ultra. Mm. Like we went to uh, Sparta Prague, and we, we really wanted to you know, be in, a, in, in amongst it, and they just... Which which is fine if those ultras are sold out and and there's loads of them. I mean, part of something, and I'm not going to give the numbers, but something the club are looking at at the moment is season card holders. So you mentioned earlier about you know the United games will get the singing lot going to that. You know, with the Liverpool are coming, we're gonna we don't need to tell people get down, create this atmosphere because we have it. Now, something the club are looking at is how many season card holders just go to those games yes. and then sell on the tickets or don't even bother and sit on their yeah. tickets because of the points, etc. And that stops your fans from abroad or even you know local fans that have just turned 18, let's say, got the you know pay packet and they want to go to a game, no points, where are they starting? But there is a core group of fans that were there in the 99, you know, yes, they hold that with a badge of honour, I was at York and all the rest of it, but when it comes to the actual games, they're only going and creating this atmosphere for the big games, which yeah. 
but, but, but by saying what you're saying, you, you are saying that there should be more of a division of these types of tickets. But, the, of course, I've been talking to Paul on the way to the podcast tonight, who's given me an example of how irritated he was by people who are not hardcore fans, even being at Tottenham in what you <clears> consider <throat> to be one of the biggest, hardest-to-get ticket um, games of the season. Paul? I mean, it was, <laughs> there was about... Right in front of me, I was in the in the corner, right, pretty about five rows back from the very front. Um, the aisle was basically blocked before and during the game. By there must have been, I think there were four, three or four Polish fans with Polish scarves and having selfies, talking all the rest of it. There was then another lad, um, an Indian lad, and he basically FaceTimed himself and the game and the round and and everywhere around us. For the whole of the game, through the interval and everything, he's he, his pal was sat in. I could even see what was on. So his pal was sat in a bath, while he was video FaceTiming the game. How has he got a ticket? How how have them five? Why has he got, got a ticket? ticket? Exactly, but them five people have got a ticket, and they weren't interested in the game. They were basically selfieing all through the match and just sort of like giving it all this on the camera. Because it's, it's turned into a day out. But now. how did Not they get tickets? Match. How did they get tickets in the in the city end for that? Right, I'm somebody gonna... somewhere is getting these tickets out I'm to the wrong people. Fascinating this could discussion. Be could be anything in terms of how they're getting the tickets, but you know we see it even on, on Derby Day. But how are towns yeah. getting the tickets? Well, the, the way it works. Season card holders people, again that aren't going. People watch the loyalty points. So yeah. say buy it on my ticket. Obviously, you give me face value. He gets his loyalty points. Next door to me at home, I've been in the block one eleven for the last. Eight years, seven or eight years. There's a seat next. To, well, a seat next to me that is only you. It's used by a different person every week. Yeah, I've tried to buy this ticket as a season ticket right don't next to me. It's not available. They don't let you buy no, it. No, no, no. Somebody owns it already. Yeah. A season ticket has got a season ticket holder has got that seat. He uses the points to pick and choose his away matches. Oh right, and what he's, he's just selling it on the city exchange. He, he, sends it, he gives it back to City. Yeah. City resell that ticket every match, and he buys that ticket to. purely. I found out who, who owned it this season, and I was amazed to find that it was owned by a season ticket holder. He's never, I've never seen him. I've never, I've been to all the games. I've never seen him. Right, as much as this is interesting, we'll, we'll come back to this. I don't want the whole of the rest of the podcast just to be about this, and I know it's something people really care about, so we will do this again. I'm now going to move on to a different what subject. Do, can I just ask on the atmosphere? He thinks he, thinks he owns the podcast, but he sponsors it. <laughs> no, well, Listen, he sponsors it, so he nearly does. <laughs> well, the question I was going to ask with regards to the atmosphere is when you say about building this atmosphere... How much does it have a negative impact when it comes to the 80th minute and we're still losing 1-0? Hopefully not. But if we get to the 80th People minute and we're still... Off. No, but we're not necessarily getting People off. Walk, but that nervousness that builds it, we've heard it from players before, they can feel the tension in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember it was a 93-20 documentary about that moment in that sense and they felt that tension. So how much of a negative impact is building up to bigger atmosphere that if we don't hit the ground running and get a goal within the first half, is that then going to be worse than actually a positive thing? I'm just taking your mantle of devil's advocate here, Ian. But yeah, uh, and it's a fair point. It's a fair, it's a fair question. And uh, obviously I know a lot of people are irritated 
irritated by people leaving games early, whatever the circumstances are. I mean, I, I actually sat, I was at Boundary Park at the weekend, and only, that's Oldham Athletic, it's a different situation. There are only 4,000 there, and you can pretty much guarantee that all that 4,000, apart from the Swindon fans who were at the game, probably walk home. You know, that's how, how local yeah. it is. And yet, when it was 2-2... With five minutes to go, people were getting up and walking out. And I'm thinking, fair enough, 55,000, 10 o'clock at night, yep. and a midweek game, a Premier League game, I can sort of get that some people, perhaps people who are infirm a little bit, people who've got work the next day, might think, I need to leave now, otherwise I'm not going to get home in time, etc., etc. But But people will leave in that game with three or four minutes to go when it was on a knife edge and it was arguably Oldham and Swindon's biggest game that they had left this season. So there's something in our human nature, maybe not in our human nature, but in mm-hmm. human nature, <clears throat> that no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the game, no matter what the traffic is, no matter what you work, you still get up and go that would happen five or ten minutes. That, from, that will and happen it will happen. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of whether it's, it's like... Horns are locked. We're winning by a goal. Do you know what I mean? If we're winning by a goal, people will get up and walk out. They will so, not push the lads over the line and it frustrates the hell out of me. So Tony's asking, does that have I, a negative effect? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. It has a negative effect on the rest of the fans. Oh, yeah, on the fans. And, 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 and that, that causes... I don't, I, don't, I don't think the players are going to be in the, in the 85th minute and go, oh, he's leaving early. Not necessarily the people leaving, but the tension that then trips into the fans that are still there of, you know, oh, we're going to do it. and, and you know, You're not going to eliminate that, though, are you? No, but this well, we can't help feeling tense. Lock them in. Lock them in. You could say that about 93 20. I mean, by the 88, 89th minute, everyone was just silent, really, weren't they? Mm. Everyone was just giving up. It was. Yeah, but the thing that frustrated me. Yeah, but I didn't go, I still stayed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, that's the thing is, well, these it. are the same people. I recognise people, even now. I've sat in the same area of the ground for, for eight years now, nine years. And I, I, I see the same people that left that day. I remember faces very, very well. I saw people getting up and walking out against QPR that probably tried to get back in because I know that fans did try and get back in. These are the same people that haven't learned the lesson that are walking out now. Why would you not learn your lesson from that? I know that every game is not QPR, but just sit down, shut up and get on with it. Do we don't want to shut up. The last thing no, not shut up. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Shut up when you're yeah, yeah, walking yeah, out yeah, and yeah. mourning about it. Just yeah. get in there and support the players through the whole 95 minutes. Right, who are your favourite and least favourite summarisers and commentators? Ooh. Oh, God, where should we start? Present you? company accepted. Any don't, don't want anybody talking about... Can I open this? That's not why I've brought this subject up. It's, it's something that creates a lot of passion among supporters. I say it all the time on social media. Paul's rubbing his hands together. I'll open this because I can put the I can without naming names I can put it into a little little bubble. Any scouser. <laughs> there we go. That's my opening gambit. Name what, a good. Favourite or worst? Name, name name a worst. Name a gooden. Let's let's name. Guy Mowbray. Who? Guy Mowbray. Is he a scouser? No. I'm, oh, you on about the best scouser? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh... So we've got oh. Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> He's done well. a bit. We've got Jamie Carragher. I thought Warnock was all right yesterday. Who? Stephen Warnock that did City Palace. He did it. He did it. Yeah, he but he's not it. a scouser, is he? He's not. He's not. Well, he's not. You know what I mean. Yeah. 
Yeah. But he's got connections with Liverpool. He started his career at Liverpool. Yeah, but he? nothing like that. You know what I mean? Like Gallagher in general. Like, he's yeah. the worst. Let, let, let's try, as hard worst. as it might be for you, Paul, in particular, and yeah. other people listening, to take out where they're from as the reason for not liking something. Uh, tell me what it is that they say, not just because you don't particularly like Scouts. It's just it's the, bias, the bias, the bias to our Liverpool. They can, they can be commentating on Crystal Palace versus Cardiff and they will be bringing Liverpool into it. Yeah, I've noticed Now, that. that last season, City were the champions, were the Centurions. Why not bring City in as the benchmark? No, no, they bring Liverpool into it. Liverpool, they, that's all they can talk about. It's also influences, and I think this comes back to where they come from and where they play, what they talk about during the game. So yesterday's game with Liverpool and Chelsea, and I only caught about half of it in that sense, I didn't watch it all, but Carragher again wasn't mentioning certain incidents that everybody on TV at home could see. On Twitter, why, absolutely. Why are they not mentioning it? And this is again down to yeah. their bias, they're not going to go, oh, we shouldn't have done that, or we should have, and this comes down to... Oh, Salah diving there, yeah. oh, well, you know, we didn't... Oh, he must have, he swung a leg at him, he said, or something, didn't he? He swung a leg at him, so he didn't touch him. But any other player, oh, we don't want to see that in the game. Absolutely. We, and this comes down to... If that to, had been Sterling, if that had been Raheem Sterling, or Aguero, he'd have been all over that. Now, I'm going to slightly yeah, contradict still. myself, because I don't actually mind Carragher commentating on a Liverpool game, because he's a Liverpool fan. However, they do then need a co-commentator, that's a Chelsea fan for that game yeah. yesterday to then balance it out or, or a he neutral be, he could be just as biased a bit like a bit like when Fanzone was was, yeah. was a thing and they, they had Danny in as the City fan on Sky and they had a United fan in for a derby and they they'd, they'd, they'd give an alternative commentary where they'd they'd banter each other oh like when be, Mike Summerby had a go on it yeah that's what I mean but <laughs> like you're saying that yeah, that would give you so you'd have Martin Tyler as, you, as your main commentator and yeah. then you'd have uh, 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 you'd have three wouldn't you so you'd have your Scouse commentator and then you'd have your, your Chelsea commentator. Yeah, well, you notice now that they used to have a commentator and a summariser. Yeah. Now they have a commentator and if it's like United are playing, they'll have playing Liverpool, they'll have two summarisers, they'll have Gary Neville and, and Carragher. When it's City playing, they don't do that. But when it's them two teams, they have, they have two summarisers. Why? There's also a question about the actual voice. You you mentioned Martin Tyler as being the, you know, the, which is obviously what I used to do, which is to be the ball-by-ball commentator, yeah. if you like. And there was an example used on Twitter, and I saw today, of, I think it was Martin Tyler, and I, I like Martin Tyler, and I know him, so I'm, this is not in any way a personal thing. Uh, and, and if it wasn't Martin, then it's still a principle of what I'm talking about, that a fan had compared... The commentary mm. that he did of Salah scoring the, the screamer, I and I compared it to Aguero, not the ninety three twenty, but just no, the, the one against, uh, against Chelsea. Chelsea, where he hit it into the, In top the corner, corner to and, and the, the, the the tone of the commentary was completely different. Absolutely. Now, is there a? Probably. Do you believe that there's a perception? Do you have a perception? Do yeah, you do, believe yeah. that 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 is deliberate or, or not? I, I do. Sorry. No, I, I do. Go on, Will. You, you say what you're going to say. I don't, to be honest, because there's been times where Martin Tyler has screamed for a, what didn't seem like an amazing goal for us, you know what I mean? And uh, is it the 93-20 documentary, you know, it's, like, it's it, it, the, the interview him, basically, about his his thoughts of the day, and it, I thought he, he almost seemed like a closet city fan. He seemed really sort of 
pleased for us. And I can't stand when people say, oh, you know, he's biased. He's obviously a United fan. I just think... I think Ian will, Ian will, know, more, Ian will know more about this than any of us in this room, but maybe not maybe not so much when you were commentating in your earlier days and into the middle part of your career as a commentator, but do you think that nowadays they're kind of told that they've got to do it in a certain way and that it's a bit more maybe... Oh, there's a narrative. There's definitely narrative, a bit more, bit more narrated nowadays than what you were doing. It, you well, think? to answer that question, I worked on local radio and I'm delighted I did because it gave me the excuse to be partisan. <laughs> I tried never to be biased and I always tried to call the game fairly, um, but I was nevertheless, because it was local radio, apart from in a derby or against another one of the teams from the patch, I was allowed to be or was able to be and, and always was partisan. So I didn't hide who I was yeah. rooting for, if you like, in the game. But you're always fair, nas- though, weren't you? I tried to, to always fair. be fair. I always thought so. On a national station, um, the, the, the guy who is describing the game, the actual commentator rather than the expert, although a lot of the commentators, frankly, are experts, but because they're doing it for a national audience, they should be completely down the middle. Now, when England play a game... What we hear on national TV is a local radio version of a commentator because then they are unashamedly rooting for England. Which actually, believe it or not, when I'm watching it, I'd rather still have the neutral commentary. But that is the choice that they make. That is a... So answering your question, that is a deliberate thing that a national station will want to do. And that could apply to Talk Sport, Five Live or anybody else that is national. I think that's the problem there where you said a professional commentator, and this is a problem with TV in general in terms of their yeah, punditry, um, commentary. They don't need to be a professional. They can just be an ex-footballer yeah. that has the right age and connections that will get them the gigs. Mm. And I think that is the problem, but it also feeds back to what you discussed last week, um, not to go into that, but is the clickbaiting and that kind of culture is that they want Gary Neville there, they want Jamie Carragher there, because if they say something or they have a bit of uh, a spat between each other, it then goes viral. Is that a joke there, a little feel. joke throwing there we about said Carragher? This. Yeah. We said this, didn't we? we said, spat. Remember when we said earlier on in the in the season when we started the podcast as well? I mean, I keep linking, I'm, I'm re-promoting the old podcast, Ian, but... Um, they're all still there yeah, by the way you can't yeah, yeah, so listen um, so yeah when, when we were talking about um, we were talking I've lost my train of thought no we were, we were talking about um, when they what did you just say then not spitting <laughs> Jamie no, Carragher spitting well, no, 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 no we didn't <laughs> the punditry and the clickbaiting and that kind of culture is that's why they go for you know your Gary Neville's and your Carragher's was just so that they can have something that's a clip that can go viral to promote the debate or, you know, oh yeah well, that, that's it back, back train of thought and we were saying weren't we that they'll, they'll create a bit of a a bit of a conflict to get people talking about the specific game or to talk about the specific for example, Sky Sports or BT. And we were saying that the focus is taken off the game mm. and off the actual occasion itself and it's made more about Keon and v- like they are Keon and Vieira. And yeah. they always bring up the old spats that they had on the pitch yeah, yeah. and the the tunnel incident and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, hang on, we're watching we're watching Chelsea Arsenal here. Right, why are you talking well, about that? They'll have Roy right Keane on just to basically because they know what Roy Keane's like. He doesn't like human beings, Roy Keane. He doesn't like talking to humans. He's in that point of view, he's an horrible man. That's Paul's opinion. That's not my opinion, Roy. If you're listening, <laughs> um, just in case he comes round anytime soon. But, but you know, and and they have him on because of that. Yeah. You know, Graham Souness. I think he's a bit of the same. He's a bit, you know, he's a bit wiring. He'll he'll just say what he thinks, and it kind of rubs him up a bit the wrong way. I mean, I I'd, I'd like to make a point. Is 
football commentator. You know, you, you you've been a commentator, and I and, and I loved your commentaries. You you know, checks in the box. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I said this isn't why Sorry, I'm doing this. No, subject. no, no. But but a commentator. For the, you've got a commentator and a summariser. Your commentator is your main man. He's the one that's doing the talking, and he's commentating on what he's seeing. I'm not interested in about how many points such a body got last year. A commentator, for me, is somebody that creates that picture in your mind. If you can't see the game, i.e. listening to it on the radio, you might Which is be... how I used to do it. Exactly, that's the same with me. So, a commentator should commentate. I'm not... Why, if there's nothing happening on the game, don't say how... You know, why, why fill it in with rubbish? Then, you, then you, you've got your, 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 your summariser. He's the one that should have the... Just bringing in the other and stuff. You, you want yeah. an ex-pro. If he's not an ex-pro, you want a stato. There was a guy, was it Paul Rowley? Rowley, Rowley yeah. yeah. He used to do Wigan games. Yeah, he was a stato for me um, because he always threw in sort of like, you know, what this time last year such a thing happened. He's played so many games this season. That's little bits of snippet of information. That's not the commentator's mm. job. A summariser, if you're an ex-pro, you want to be able to go as a commentator what are you thinking? What would you be thinking at this point? You want that insight. These days, now, th- th- you haven't got that. No, they spend time talking about oh, how, good, how good Salah is and this, that. And, uh, uh, oh, don't, yeah. weren't that weren't that Just brilliant commentate on the game. Just, all I want to know is what's yeah. going on on that game. As much as I'm enjoying this podcast, we're coming towards the end of it now, and I'm very conscious of the fact that City have got three huge games coming up now. Oh, yeah. uh, just to let you know that um, the next podcast we're going to record is going to be straight after the Tottenham League game, which is taking place, of course, on Saturday. Um, so there will be a podcast uploaded on Saturday night, which is two days earlier than we would normally do it when we record on a Monday. So uh, the reason we're doing that is, first of all, we can react to that Tottenham game immediately. It's Easter weekend, which means not everybody's available on the Monday. And there's the big derby coming up on the Wednesday. So just to give you a heads up that that's what we're going to do next week. So between now and that next podcast, City play Tottenham and then Tottenham again. Yeah. So... Let's, I'm not going to ask you to predict because I never predict and always refuse to give scores it and predict. Well last time, did it? <laughs> but, but, but what are your thoughts? I think we'll beat, and this is, this is my honest opinion, I think, we'll, I think we'll beat Spurs on Wednesday night. I think that us as fans and will win play the tie. A, a big, and win the tie, yeah. I think, right. we'll, I think we'll win the tie. I think us fans have got a massive part to play in that. Going back to what we said at the start of the podcast, I think we'll get through that. I think, I think everything as a, as a collective will carry us through that into the semi-finals of the Champions League. That's dealt with then. Forget about the Champions League until we're playing the semi-final. But what we hear about the Champions League until that game comes up in the semi-final when we get there, because we will get there. On the weekend, I think the fact that we're at home, we know how well we can play at home, I think we'll take Spurs again. I know you said, Ian, that they might uh, react badly to a defeat and they might retaliate. What happens on Wednesday might have a big impact. Yes, we'll be able to cope with that. <laughs> yeah. And I think the derby is a game in itself. It's not like a fixture. Them, them two fixtures aren't like part of the fixture list they're like a league in themselves in a 90 minute match or a 98 minute game if Fergie's in charge um, but we'll you know, talk about that, the derby in more that depth is, on, that, that is on different. Saturday. but I think yeah. I, I personally think and I, I, I hope that other people out there agree with me that are positive that we can win all three games and I, I just want to say that I think that as fans now we've got a responsibility to whether you doubt us or not Go into every game optimistic. Try and be as positive as possible. Try and get behind the players. Don't pinpoint players. Don't criticise players. At the end of the day, there are a full squad of players that are going to try and get us to win every competition possible. So get behind them. 
get us into you know get us into the semi-finals on Wednesday night, win us the next five games in the league, and let's do the quad if we can. Paul, nothing more to say there, is it? <laughs> I think he's summed Tony, it up. Tony, <laughs> I can't say anything because I can. I won't be being optimistic in that sense that he's <laughs> just told us all to do. But uh, I agree with what he said. To be honest, um, the only game that I'm slightly nervous about is the Saturday fixture. Um, I think that there's going to be a bit of game management by Pep player for the derby coming up as well. Um, it's an early kickoff. The crowd, a bit of a hangover from the Wednesday in that sense. How many are we going to sell and that side of it? And I think that's out of all the three games, that's the only one that I'm like, Wednesday, I think we'll have the atmosphere, we'll have the crowds there. It's that early one on the Saturday that for me is just as important because at the moment, Liverpool aren't dropping points, so we can't, regardless of what happens in the derby, it's no good winning the derby 8-0 if we then, you know, don't win on the Saturday. Yeah. It's pointless. So, yeah, that's my only nervousness, but I'm overall fairly confident. Will? Again, I'm pretty confident. I think this is our time of year, really. You know, this is where we prove what we're worth. Um, what's our record on beating? 20, 20 wins in a row? It's pretty impressive, isn't it? What are we on now? Don't ask me the number, I'm not a stats up. Well, our record's 18 wins, isn't it? In the league. Or is it, are you talking about in all comps? All comps. In all comps. It's 20, yeah. 20, it's 20 yeah. isn't it? And what are we on now? We're on 10 in a row. Yeah. So we're not even halfway Hang on, there. Uh, well, you're forgetting that we lost at Spurs. Tottenham. Oh, bugger, yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's yeah. stick with Forget the Tottenham game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely think we can go unbeaten I in do. every single game. Yeah, uh, just being unbeaten is not enough, they've got to win them yeah. all. I think we'll win every game. Forget the Champions League, I think we can win every game in the league and I think we can win the FA Cup final. The Champions League, like Ian said last week, that's going to be a difficult one because there's a lot of good teams in it. It's going to be about, like you say, game managing every single instance of every match, You know, making sure that we manage the squad well and, and whatnot. But for me, as long as we're in the league, I'm not bothered whether we're in the Champions League or not. And the FA Cup as well. Right. For me. Well, I just want to add. A, we're going into extra time now, right? Oh, um, so, cramp. so, so, the, and the reason I'm doing this is because there is one subject that I wanted to squeeze in today. But because you were all so passionate, which I can't knock, um, down at Crystal Palace, and I know you know about this, Paul. The Crystal Palace fans, um, because they'd seen back in 1990 a banner that had been in the city section saying, "Good luck for the FA Cup final when you play Manchester United." Uh, they really appreciated that. And I want to expand on fan relationships with other clubs in a future podcast because I think it's a, it's a good subject to talk about. Yeah. So I don't want to go into that now. But what I want to say on this <coughs> podcast is that the, a group of Crystal Palace fans created a banner which, was, which you'll see, by the way, in my vlog if you watch that on YouTube, which, you, which will be up possibly by the time you hear this. But there was a group of Crystal Palace fans who wanted to honour a supporter who in his 50s had passed away called Tomo, who was loved by some of the Crystal Palace fans. He's a City fan as well. He's a City it? fan, yeah, absolutely yeah. a City fan. And they made a banner which honoured him. They also said to me when I interviewed them that because of Raheem Sterling's words about the young uh, Crystal Palace lad who lost his life, that they were very much, and, and, and they were very grateful, by the way, also to City beating Brighton, their traditional rivals. So they created this banner and their plan was that they were going to wave it about in the home end and then once the, the game got to half-time, they wanted to walk around the touchline, present it to the City fans who would then hold it up themselves. And you've read uh, what happened, Paul, that basically it looks like Palace stopped that from, from happening because of 
um, concerns that they say there were over health and safety. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're corporate, you can do what you want. If you pay for it, you can do what you want as a fan, I think. You can go on a pitch, you can meet who you want if you're paying for it. These fans just wanted to do something like, you know, a bit tongue-in-cheek as well, wasn't it? I think, you know, it's a bit that. But it was like it was it was like an hands across the ocean thing. You know, it's like before a game in a in an FA Cup, you swapped rosettes and you swapped players shake balance, hands at the start you? of a game. Yeah, what, and what, the shake what, coming off the pitch. What is wrong with game. that? I mean, we do it the away fans, but we'll we'll be 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 bell forever at each other. But at the end of it, it's banter. And we go, we shake hands with the, the away fans. Sometimes it don't quite get like that. But yeah, you don't you know, do that in a derby, do you, Paul? Oh, Liverpool, no. Oh, Liverpool. Um, but, but when fans try and do decent things, we seem to have it blown back in our faces, don't we? You know, and it's like, oh, no, you, oh, health and safety, you can't do that. That's not right. Let's, let's, we, we, we need to come together as fans a bit Football better. Football family, innit? Rivalry. Rivalry, but not as tribal, maybe. On that positive note, we'll bring the uh, the podcast to an end, but it's a subject I definitely want to come back to. Um, you know, there's been suggestions that Crystal Palace, maybe now with City fans, have a special relationship. West Ham's often been muted as well. Um, so um, that's a subject I want to ask you much more in-depth about. So we'll do that in a future podcast. In the meantime, thanks once again for listening, for downloading. You want to vote for this podcast or the vlog that I do, footballbloggingawards.co.uk. You've got till the 21st. Get on there, select the category, give it a vote, and we appreciate it. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud. Sometimes now, bits of this, thanks to Will, are on uh, the YouTube channel as well. So thanks very much for helping us grow numbers rapidly. Thanks very much to Hot Click Marketing for being our supporter of the podcast for this season. And thanks very much for listening and giving us all them five-star reviews. Don't forget, the next one is straight after the Tottenham game. It'll be up that night on Saturday, the big one. Looking ahead to the derby, and who knows what will have happened with these two Tottenham games in the meantime. But win, lose or draw, we're back on Saturday night. Thank you for listening.